part that scares me more than anything is that this is damn near identical to the miscalculations that were going on during the Great Recession in 2008. It's almost funny how similar that time period was leading into the Great Recession, the, the single worst recessionary event since 1929. And people leading up to it in the six months before they actually called it a recessionary economy were doing the exact same thing. Strong economy. We're going to be fine. Everything's great. The six months leading up to the declaration of the recession were filled with some of the same mania that we talk about from that study from the Wharton School of Business from 2009. This confident talk that the economy was strong, that there were no immediate fears of these looming challenges that ultimately were a two and a half standard deviation event. While I've been somewhat steadfast in my position that this market that we're in right now will not be a crash, I am really, really beginning to think that I might be wrong too. And that pisses me off because I don't like admitting when I'm wrong. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. This is the world-famous Higher Standard Podcast, and I am without my co-host, Saeed, today for an episode that I have been putting off for a little bit of time. And then something happened last week, uh, the week of June 30th, that I thought was so important that I, I'd be really thoughtful and pragmatic about how I address what I'm about to say to you and everybody else out there. I am very, very concerned about the economy. And while I normally go into these episodes with sarcasm, a little bit of recanting of some personal stuff, I, I have been dying to get on the mic and talk about this. So I'm going to forego all the usual foreplay and get right into what I'm, I'm concerned of. But before we do, I need to give you a bit of a warning. This particular episode is going to be one of those episodes that I think maybe a lot of you will probably disagree with or might have some challenges with because it goes so much against the grain of everything that you're being told in the media right now. Everything around us. And I want, I want you to keep perspective because so much of what we're being told is not maliciously done. It's not done by by some weird criminal intent or, or the things that happen out there in the ether. This is about a delayed response mechanism to the economy. We don't get real-time data. And as much as I try to provide real-time data from the sources that I can get some of that from, we don't get that. It's quarter behind, two quarters behind, whatever it might be. So take that all with a grain of salt. I promise we will get back to the solo episodes where we teach you something about some type of entrepreneurial endeavor, whether that's businesses, LLCs, formations, whatever. I've got tons of things I want to talk to you guys about, but this one's important. 
So on Thursday of last week, June 30th, it was the final day of Q2, and it was a huge milestone marker for what Saeed and I have been telling people will be a very tenuous July. For those of you who listen to the show consistently, you know that I say repeatedly that July will be what we call the beginning of the recession. And I don't really mean that from the economic perspective, because from what I'm about to tell you, the recession has been around for six months now. But I believe that is when the rhetoric, the news, the media, everybody will catch up in July, by the time you hear this, in this month. A huge thing happened that day. The Atlanta Fed made a revision to their estimate for Q2 GDP as part of their GDP Now forecast. You can easily go check that out at any point in time. Just Google Atlanta Fed. Their GDP Now is a forecast they provide. It's, it's basically saying what they're going to wind up calling the GDP for the quarter. This forecast is not exactly what I would call accurate or consistent. They tend to adjust it up and adjust it down throughout the quarter. The GDP model estimate for GDP growth seasonally adjusted for an the, the annual rate in the second quarter of 2022 is now negative 2.1% on July 1, down from 1% on July 30th. At the same time, we got the final revision for the first quarter GDP. Initially, it was reported at negative 1.4. Then, as I kind of alluded to earlier, GDP now is revised again to negative 1.5. And then finally, it came out at negative 1.6 for the final estimate of Q1 GDP. Chris, why the hell do I care? Two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth is a recessionary economy. And we already know that Q1 has been negative now, 1.6 confirmed. And we already have predictions out from GDP now from the Atlanta Fed, which suggests that Q2 through, through June 30 will also be negative. And that'll be finalized in, in the uh, weeks to come. So this, this is a hugely impactful, in, impactful time and very telling for where the economy is going to be. The Atlanta Fed was projecting a positive number for Q2 originally. In as recent as May of this year, they were predicting growth above 2%. The Atlanta Fed, in fact, had positive forecast up until the very last day of the month when they released that new GDP number and blindsided everybody in the market. So I'm telling you, me to you, the listener, you can't rely too heavily on these numbers, but you can definitely see how there's been a progressive trend to them accepting how negative the forecast will be. And if they could blindside the market with a new revised negative number, in addition to the negative they were already calling a positive well before that, I'm telling you right now, that finalized number will be negative. And when it is, we have been in a recession. Declared a recession in July, but we have been in it. And that is, that is way more important than I think anybody realized. If the Q1 revisions are any indication of our future and the rate of Fed interest rate increases were much more significant during Q2, 50 basis points, 75 basis points, it is an almost certainty that GDP may ultimately have a final number lower than the current Q2 predictions by the Atlanta Fed. It doesn't really matter what the ultimate number is. If the print is negative, even 0.0001% negative, that is a recession. Anything below zero will be a recession. The next GDP Now update is scheduled for Thursday, June 7th, arguably just before you hear this show. And I can already tell you it will be increasingly negative. 
This means that we would have been in recession since the beginning of the year, since January 1st. July 1st will be the start of the conversation, like I alluded to again previously. These recession discussions in the news, the fanfare, all the data that we're seeing suggests that we were in a recession since January 1st. That means the last six months, there's been a massive problem. And part of the light bulb moment for me, and I'm sure other people out there who've, who've recognized it, and I want to explain why this problem is much greater than most people realize. Washington, the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen, Secretary Powell, and every damn real estate, on, real estate agent on social media has been unanimously describing the economy as prosperous in a, quote, healthy position. And at the start of the year, all the way through the first quarter, and even now today, I still see some of these posts, and it blows my fucking mind. It blows me away. This means the people who are charged with fixing the economy were wrong the entire time they were telling us it was strong. At least Janet Yellen, who I do not like. I do not like Janet Yellen at all. She's very critical of Powell. She's very critical of some of the Fed decisions. Said that they need more regulation and less policy, but he likes to lead with policy. I'm not a, I'm not a Janet Yellen found fan, but even she admitted to her being, to being wrong about inflation, while the rest of them have not even gone that far yet. And yet these are the very people who've been unable or unwilling to recognize the recession that we have been in the entire time while publicly stating the economy was prosperous and strong and they might be able to provide a soft landing. Well, I don't believe it anymore. I just don't. And I know that that's going to be very, very difficult for some of you listening to the show to accept. The part that scares me more than anything is that this is damn near identical to the miscalculations that were going on during the Great Recession in 2008. It's almost funny how similar that time period was leading into the Great Recession, the, the single worst recessionary event since the Great Depression, since 1929. And people leading up to it in the six months before they actually called it a recessionary economy were doing the exact same thing. Strong economy. We're going to be fine. Everything's great. The six months leading up to the declaration of the recession were filled with some of the same mania that we talk about from that study from the Wharton School of Business from 2009. And this confident talk that the economy was strong, that there were no immediate fears of these looming challenges that ultimately were a two and a half standard deviation event. While I've been somewhat steadfast in my position, that this market that we're in right now will not be a crash, I'm really, really beginning to think that I might be wrong too. And that pisses me off because I don't like admitting when I'm wrong. I'm beginning to grow concerned that we could be leaning into yet another two and a half standard deviation event like the Great Recession and even possibly worse if the Fed does some, I don't want to call them stupid, some miscalculated thing. And I can see how that could happen. I really, I really can. It's truly unprecedented because every recessionary economy has had a different starting stimulus, but there, there's a lot that we can learn from these starting indicators. So it, as much as I hope, and I know that there's a way out of this without a full crash, I am leaning more and more heavily towards a significant economic event that is unavoidable at this point, particularly if the Fed does something stupid, like lays off their policy of increasing rates and goes back to quantitative easing versus tightening because they're so worried about fighting inflation that they're not watching fighting a recession. And we are already in a recession. We can wait to declare it and we can do all those things. But remember, the declaration of a re recession is retroactive to the beginning of those first two quarters, 
January 1. So I know, I know, you hear the rhetoric. I know what everybody's going to say. I've heard him, like realtors saying supply and demand, the one thing that people who call themselves economists always point to is unemployment. Let's look at unemployment. People think that the sub-4 unemployment, I want to say 3.6% rate that we have right now is a strong indicator of the market. However, I give very little credence to this number. And for those of you who followed the number over the last, call it, couple decades, it has been greatly manipulated in recent years, and there are way better indicators that I won't go into because that's not what this particular show is about. But suffice it to say, there's a lot of limiting conditions as to who they include as truly being unemployed. And if you've been looking for a job for longer than a year, they remove you. So that number is, is highly manipulated. And here's my problem. From what we've seen historically, recessions start when unemployment is low and they peak when unemployment gets higher, significantly higher. I've said it multiple times before on this podcast, but for inflation to come down, unemployment needs to go up and wages will also need to come down. And I say that almost tongue in cheek because the problem with wages are your wages, my wages, everybody's wages have already come down. And I know that to some people is going to be very, very odd. What do you mean they're, they're, they could, they've already come down? Why? I, I, don't, I don't have any problems. Well, the answer to that is quite simple. You're a victim of inflation. And you might have gotten a 3% increase salary increase last year which is probably the industry standard but if it wasn't eight and a half percent as a baseline you're already losing money all this while other things happen your housing costs have gone up your food costs have gone up your energy your oil costs your travel costs all gone up you've already received a pay cut even though you're still employed so this this creates a bigger macro problem that people in the economy really aren't just taking in. They keep pointing to the unemployment numbers and saying that things are low, but this is not an indicator of strength. This is the tide going out before the tsunami of the recession. So these layoffs that we've talked about and how analysts price in the market trends, so few companies that are out there recognize a recession and lay people off proactively. We've talked about that on the show so many times. A recession is declared and then they react to it by laying people off. They tighten up the ship so they're prepared to lay people off and they're prepared to, to sacrifice the human capital necessary to keep this fiduciary relationship of keeping the company profits high and the business going because that's truly what they're looking out for. So a lot of these employers were confused after 2020's COVID recession. And if you, if you, if you could see me right now, I'm rolling my, my eyes because the COVID recession was bullshit. Okay. They were handing out stimmies and, and, like gumdrops and lollipops. They were being handed out left and right. Businesses didn't know how to react. Companies themselves got PPP loans and everybody was expecting this big ass recovery that never really happened. People staffed up and, and everybody was ready for this, this big economically prosperous time because everybody was so cooped up. They were dying to go out and everybody, everybody was ready to go. We created this, this false narrative. We created this, this, this weird thinking process that things were going to go back to where they were and better than ever. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. How can prices continue to keep rising? I point to homes a lot because I love the housing sector and that, that's kind of my passion and it's one of my, my side hustles, if you will. But if home values go up in some cities 30% in a single year and they've been going up 
every single year for the last several years? How much farther do they have to go before we have an affordability crisis? And I've said this before on social media. I'll say it again on the podcast. Demand without affordability is not, in fact, demand. So that whole supply and demand argument is bullshit. Okay? GDP is 75% consumer spending, and we have already started to see the pullback in consumer discretionary. You saw that. At the end of Q1, you're seeing that already in the beginning of Q2, and you definitely saw it halfway through Q2, consumer discretionary spending, as all things that have been rising that I talked to you about, those housing costs, those food costs, energy costs, and all those things have gone up because of inflation. Consumer discretionary spending has come down. People are choosing to spend less on those discretionary items that they otherwise do not need. So wages, like I've told you, do not necessarily have to go down with inflation as high as it is because we've all gotten a pay cut particularly when most companies provide year-over-year cost-of-living increases of 3%, like I told you. So there wasn't a recovery during the COVID recession. In many cases, we were incentivizing people not to work by paying them unemployment that paid them more than their otherwise earned salary would have been. Think that through. We were paying people more than they would have earned with stimulus to stay home and shop. That's exactly what they did. It's a logical fallacy that even Brian Moynihan, CEO of Bank of America, which we talked about on a previous show, he said that the consumer was okay. It was in great shape. He cited the money they had in reserves. And then just like a week later, Jamie Dimon came out and said the consumer's got 69 months. Well, here's why. Because they fell into this fallacy that the consumer was in good shape. And people were not working. What they were doing is they were spending more time shopping with this sudden increase in income and extra reserves, which has now been depleted. It's gone. Stimulus like this was never normal. It wasn't normal during a recessionary economy and shouldn't be expected to happen again. Sure, you get some food stamps and you get increased number of people on unemployment, but not to the level that we saw during the pandemic. Consumer spending will go down. Your unemployment benefits are supposed to be less than your earned normal wages, further driving GDP down than it's already going. So what does all this mean, Chris? Why, why this rant? What, what, what are we doing here? If we are in a recession already and the numbers are this low, how much worse do they have to get before we start to see the impacts of the alleged benefits of this monetary policy? The Fed interest rate increases, the quantitative tightening, we have removed all of the elasticity from the economy for 14 years with artificial interest rate deflation. And it is going to take a long, long, painful ass time before we get it back. And I'm pausing because I want people to take these statements in. Because these are not guesses. These are facts at this point. People have already had to cut back on spending. We've seen that when the Q2 GDP numbers are finalized, we'll see it again. But now you need to layer in widespread layoffs with regard, without regard to se- sector, okay? I, I saw Facebook the other day was commenting on it. We talked about Spotify. Obviously, the, the non-bank lenders have laid off, and, and so many other people have had issues. Revlon has filed for bankruptcy. Uh, TRX, the band company, has filed for bankruptcy. And this is with just the very, very beginning of interest rate inflation in the market. Things costing people more and artificial interest rate volatility going away. Now you have to, you have to have these moving factors and people have to think like, you know, maybe on your home equity line of credit, which is index plus margin, may have a higher payment. Can people afford these things? Well, we'll see. I don't know if this is going to be a 
default financial crisis like we saw in the Great Recession. But I went back and I looked at some of the trends. And I went back and looked at prosperous economy, recessionary economy. And I compared the two of them. And I did it for every single recessionary economy since 1929 until now. And I know that everybody has their spin. Real estate agents love to say that the Great Recession was unique and that credit standards are better. And I will tell you, I'm in the credit industry. I'm the chief credit officer of a bank. Credit standards are, in fact, better. But that does not mean that this will not be a real estate-impacted economy. Affordability is a huge problem right now. And if wages go down and unemployment goes up, like I believe that it truly has to, there will be defaults. There will be issues with payments. It won't be because we gave people non, non-performing loans from Jump Street in the form of stated income loans or negative arms or you know, negam loans. It's going to be because they just can't afford to live their lifestyle and they've been living this lifestyle for so long, they never had to experience what it looks like when rates go up. I do not think this will be a mild recession. I do not think a soft landing is, I think it's laughable is what it is. And I think we're all getting bullshitted by the same people whose responsibility it is not only fix the economy, but to acknowledge how bad it was. And they themselves can't acknowledge it or can't or won't see it. And I'm not sure which one it is as of right now. From a purely metric driven perspective, Every recessionary economy is roughly proportionate to the size of the prosperous economy that preceded it. That's the result of all of my digging. And the lead up to what we now call the Great Recession was we brought the Fed borrowing rate down to 1% for a couple of years. And we created a housing boom in values that were so unsustainable we had a real estate impacted economy like we've never experienced before that. And now, We've kept the Fed funds borrowing rate at near zero, if not zero, for 14 years. And real estate home values, as my proxy for the market, because I love that, have gotten absolutely out of control. We've had the biggest and longest period of artificial interest rate deflation in history, causing one of the most anomalous, economically prosperous economies we have ever had and will likely ever see during our adult lifetimes again. That's a problem. That's a problem for you. That's a problem for me. That's a problem for all of us. It has created the rise of this perspective that, is, that, that it's easy to get wealthy. And for those of you who've listened to the show or you watch my social media, you know my particular disdain with the shenanigans we see on social media. These gurus talking about how they got seven-figure income in you know, two years at 24. Or I've been in real estate for eight years and I know everything because I close all these deals. And this arrogance, this bravado. It's one thing to have the mania that the Wharton School of Business talked about in 2009 as, as being the, the toxicity leading into recessionary economies that ultimately make it worse. But it's a completely other thing. When you layer in 14 years of winning behind that level of mania, the ego that goes into it, and we've created this super toxic environment where kids, 16 and 17 and 18-year-olds, feel like they have to portray this image of opulence that matches the Kardashians' billionaire lifestyle in order to be cool. We've created the Grant Cardones of the world, where it's the... Just look as big and badass and 10x, yeah, go to my mastermind culture. These cults of money worship. 
and, and, and idolization of fake people that has gotten to a point where it has decimated our culture from a fiscal, rational standpoint. And I'm sick of it. I am absolutely sick of it. And I joke so much on this show because I think we should take the good and the bad and the grain of salt and we should have so much fun because learning doesn't have to be boring and it can be witty and we can do it passively through conversations and contexts that are, that, are, that are genuine and real. I'm not here to sell you anything. I don't need you to buy anything from me. And I don't need you to tell your friends and pass the show along. What I need you to do is heed the warning that I'm giving you. If the Fed reverses course and they don't do what they must do to fight the recession, not necessarily inflation, but the recession, and we see a decrease of interest rates, despite how painful it might be that interest rate increases could trash the economy and really damage some people's retirement, their savings, their plans for the future. If we don't go through that short-term pain, inflation can be a permanent thing. And this recession could be worse than the Great Recession. I hate to have a show this serious all the way through to the end, and I promise you I'll be back making fun of Saeed and Saeed making fun of me next week. Or actually, you'll probably hear this, I'm guessing, on Tuesday-ish? Uh, yeah, probably Tuesday uh, of next week. So you'll, you'll get a good funny episode by Friday. I promise you'll go into the weekend having a good time. Thank you for tuning in. I hope this wasn't too pointed and too painful, but there are some things that I see on the horizon that are very bad, and there's a lot of rhetoric going on right now in denial. Hope it helps you. Have a wonderful week. We'll chat again soon. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.